Hello and welcome to another episode of Secondhand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievistries. This week's story was requested by Sagar K. Uh, he requested for the story quite a number of times. So, Sagar, here is the story. It is quite an incredible story. It is a survival story. And I just have to give you a fair warning. This story is not probably for everyone. This is definitely not for the faint-hearted. And this is certainly not for the faint-stomached. So, this is your warning. But in case you choose to stick around, it's quite an incredible story. And here's how it goes. Our story begins on 13th October 1972. A plane is flying over the Andes. Now the Andes are a stretch of mountains. These are the longest continental mountains. They uh, stretch from the top of South America almost to the bottom and they're on the western front of the continent. Now this plane is carrying 45 people. There are 40 passengers and 5 crew. Now, the bulk of the passengers are a part of a rugby team. Now, this is a college rugby team and it's the club is called the Old Christians Club Rugby Union Team. They are flying from Montevideo in Uruguay and they are going to compete against a club called Old Boys Club and this match is going to be held in Santiago, Chile. Now, as the plane flies over the Andes, the atmosphere in the plane is extremely jovial it's extremely uh, lively people are singing a rugby ball is being tossed around the cabin and you can imagine how excited everyone is on this plane it's at this time that the captain comes on the pa system and he says please fasten your seat belts we're about to hit turbulence they hear the warning but it's a bunch of rugby players. They're macho and they're young and they don't need to hear warnings. No one takes this seriously. They continue singing. The ball keeps being thrown around until one person looks outside the window and suddenly exclaims, Aren't we flying too close to the mountain? He was right. The plane was dangerously, perilously close to the Andes. Now, the reason it was so close was because the pilot had made a mistake. They had misjudged how close they were to the airport and they had already started descending. Now, this meant that they were too close to the mountain. So, the pilots immediately start ascending. They pull the plane upwards and the plane shudders up and it's almost vertical alongside the rock face. It's shaking and shuddering as it goes. The people now in the plane are frightened. They're screaming. And then suddenly there's impact. The plane slams into this mountain. The wing gets broken straight off. Now on this plane was 19-year-old medical student Roberto Canessa. 
and on impact he's thrown forward and he gets a blow to his head however he can still hear the rest of his teammates screaming as this plane slams against the mountain elsewhere on the plane is 22 year old nando parado he sees that the people who aren't fastened down are being smacked against the fuselage the fuselage is the body of the plane the main body of the plane now nando parado also sees that the plane cracks open almost right above him and the tail section breaks apart he sees people sucked out in front of his eyes he is thrown about on this plane as the plane tumbles down this rock face and finally slams to a halt the plane has crashed onto a mountain glacier and as it comes to a stop nando parado finally feels stable now this plane has landed on this mountain glacier and the people wouldn't know it at that point in time but they were 11710 feet high it was going to be a very very tough exit from this plane this plane had hit nose first and the front of the plane had collapsed it had killed the pilot and the co-pilot was barely alive when this plane crashed out of the 45 people on board now there were only 33 left alive the survivors who had fewer injuries they begin helping out those who who were much worse off there were a lot of people who had severe injuries and some people had compound fractures now a compound fracture is a fracture where the bone breaks and then it pierces out of the skin now those who were in some shape and were mobile begin pulling out those who were injured There was one boy in particular a boy called Enrique Platero he had a metal that had lodged into his stomach and when they pulled out the metal a part of his intestine also came out but this boy had so much courage that he was able to look past his own injury and he was able to help people come out of that fuselage at this point in time the news of this plane crash has reached the chilean authorities and a search and rescue operation is mounted the chilean authorities also get in touch with the andes rescue group and together they start trying to locate the plane and any survivors but where the plane has crashed is an extremely treacherous area and the search and rescue operations are going extremely slowly meanwhile at the crash site the people have been pulled out and they realize that they are going to be facing extremely harsh cold conditions that's the first thing that all the survivors realize because this is taking place in the southern hemisphere and at the time it takes place it's the summer in the southern hemisphere so in the southern hemisphere the weather conditions are completely opposite of that of the northern hemisphere so during october they have summer now everyone on this plane had prepared only for the summer so they were carrying light summer clothes none of them had jackets none of them had any woolen clothing all they had with them were the stuff they had come in and it was completely not suited for the weather they lacked warm jackets and they lacked blankets of any kind now the height at which they had landed meant that there was snow all around them 
it was perpetually snowed in and there were bitter drafty winds that were blowing through now nando parado looks around he has got a fractured skull but he's still alive and mobile and as he looks around he sees where they're stuck he sees that this glacier is surrounded in a semicircle on three sides by tall mountain ridges as he looks around him he gets the sense of foreboding it almost feels like he's trapped in this high up prison now the cold would be so intense that everyone began huddling in the wrecked fuselage the body of the plane now as they cowered and shook inside this fuselage the winds kept blowing through it was so cold that nando parado remembers lying on the floor of this fuselage shivering he shivered for so long that the muscles in his neck and shoulders started spasming that night would prove fatal the next morning they realized that five more people had passed away now they were down to 28 and soon one more would pass away leaving them down to 27 now the 27 people start organizing themselves thankfully they were part of a rugby team so they had camaraderie and they knew how to work as a team the leader and captain of the rugby team a boy called marcelo perez assumes leadership he begins organizing them and the first thing they do is that they look for food now they scavenge the wreckage of this plane and they find a little bit of food it's meager they find eight chocolate bars they find a tin of muscle they find some dried fruits they find candies and they find a little alcohol it's not much but they ration this out and they know that they have to be very careful with these food rations if they are to survive this catastrophe would also bring out a lot of innovation from within them there was a boy called fito strouch who would start improvising he was able to fix a system through which they could get uh, fresh water from the snow he also improvised sunglasses from the wreckage so that it could prevent snow blindness which was a real threat at this altitude and in the snow in addition they ripped off all the seat covers and they used it as coverings for their shoes so that when they were walking in the snow they wouldn't feel the bite they begin organizing themselves in this fashion and a week goes by now as the week goes by they realize that even with the strict rations they were applying to their food their food supplies were dwindling in fact nando parado remembers that he had this one chocolate covered peanut and first he licks off the chocolate and then he holds on to this peanut and he keeps dividing it and dividing it and making it last for as long as possible but even then the food had started going down now it's at this point that they begin thinking of the unthinkable it was one afternoon that nando parado was lying in the fuselage and he's lying next to this boy and slowly his eyes drift to the boy's leg now on this boy's leg there is a wound now this wound is healing and there's dried blood around this wound 
and seeing the blood suddenly gave rise to an appetite in nando parado suddenly he had started viewing human beings as a source of nutrition and to his horror when he looks up he sees that there were other boys who were also looking longingly at that wound he keeps this thought to himself as long as he possibly can but then eventually he shares it with a friend his friend's name is carlito and he tells him one day about these thoughts he's having he says carlito don't you feel hungry and carlito says of course i do but there is no food around at which point nando parado says but there is plenty of food we just have to stop thinking of them as people and start thinking of them as meat carlito has also thought of this very same thought because the dead bodies of their teammates and uh, and comrades are all around them they were preserved in the ice and snow and they felt that they could eat them but it was such a horrible repulsive thought that no one wanted to act on it but now that nando parado had spoken it out loud and carlito had also admitted to having the same thoughts they decided to broach the subject with some of the others and when they did they found out that even the others had had the same thought they speak about this frankly and a lively debate breaks out a lot of people cannot get themselves to act on this thought thinking it is one thing but actually eating somebody that you knew somebody who was your teammate somebody who was alive just a little while ago it seems too repulsive to even consider but then they come to this conclusion that if they do not act now and if they do not consider eating their dead compatriots they might end up perishing too it's an extreme situation and regular morality will not work and so they make a pact they decide that they will go ahead and eat from the dead bodies but also if any of the survivors was to die they give permission to the remaining survivors to feast on their remains and that is the crux of the problem because the main thing that was stopping them was the fact that they had not got permission from the people who had died and so it felt like they were violating their dignity but the circumstances were so extreme that they went and did it roberto canessa was the one who was given charge of bringing slices of the meat he was a medical student and he knew how to cut a human body he takes a shard from the wreckage and he brings back pieces of meat roberto canessa would later talk about this moment and he would say there was still a part of humanity that resided in all of them and for a lot of people even though the meat was in front of them and there was hunger that was roaring up from within them even in that situation they could not open their mouths but somehow in their own time everyone put the pieces of meat in their mouth and began chewing every single time they chewed they felt more miserable and sad but the bodies that were left behind 
they were a source of nutrition they were a source, source of protein and fat and it was what they needed to survive and eventually they made their peace with it and they realized that their friends didn't need their bodies anymore but they the living did in this wreckage they had also found a transistor and this transistor was thankfully working and they would often turn it on and listen for news of their rescue and one day 11 days after the crash they got the worst possible news they were all huddled in the fuselage listening and suddenly they hear from this transistor that the chilean authorities have decided to call off the search the authorities believe that too much time has passed there will be no survivors and it's too risky to continue searching you can imagine how that news must have washed through everybody sitting in that fuselage people who had desperately done unthinkable things just to stay alive on the hope that somebody would rescue them and now that hope seemed to be flickering out people began sobbing praying crying there was only one boy a boy called gustavo nikolic who seemed to have an opposite reaction he seemed to grow in confidence and brightly he says well it's good news that they've called the search off and when someone asked him why is it good news he says well because now we can get out of here on our own and later the survivors would say that it was this boy's bravery his courage in the face of the unthinkable that gave despair a push away from that fuselage now this was terrible news but things were going to get much much worse for the survivors now things were going to get much worse for the survivors on 29th october 1972 17 days after the crash things took a turn for the worse on this particular date it's midnight and in the plane the survivors are huddling shivering trying to get a little bit of sleep through this cold and suddenly the fuselage of the plane is hit by an avalanche snow rushes down the mountain and slams into the wreckage of the plane snow fills the fuselage and it starts piling on them suffocating them pummeling them with its weight in the fuselage there's only a meter of air left that's the only bit of the fuselage that isn't completely covered in snow and as the survivors struggle to stay up they realize that the air is being sucked out of the plane which is when Nando Parado finds a metal rod which is lying on a luggage rack and he picks it up and he is able to pierce the body of this plane to let a little bit of air in they stay stuck in this plane in the ice for 3 whole days because there's a blizzard raging outside then 3 days later they are able to claw their way out of the plane and when they do they realize that eight of them have perished in the plane now they're down to 19 people for 3 whole days they realized that they had been stuck inside with the corpses of their teammates now they pull those corpses out 
because they know that they'll have to use them very soon as food life resumes on this glacier after this avalanche as the survivors now band together and start trying to survive again it's extremely tough going and slowly the days begin ticking by nando parado would later say that if you looked around that area you would see that it came from hell itself on this icy glacier was the stench of death the whole place smelt of urine and there were remains bone and gristle of human beings of human beings that used to be their friends their teammates but now reduced to food however oddly enough this is how adaptable human beings are even in that hellscape it almost almost felt like home they did try many times to try to escape their fate they tried to mount expeditions try to get out of that glacier but every single time they were rebuffed either by the altitude or through dehydration or through the extreme biting cold however in december they decide that they must act quickly by this time they have lost even more people and they are finally down to the last 16 survivors and nando parado and roberto canessa realize that if they don't act soon they will all perish on this glacier they decide that they will try to mount one last expedition they cobble together a makeshift sleeping bag which they decide that they will use on a trek a do or die trek to try and get help now it's three people who have decided to go on this expedition they are roberto canessa nando parado and antonio wisentin now the three of them pack supplies they take their sleeping bag and they set off in a westerly direction they realize that chile is to the west of them and if they just try to go west maybe they will reach some part of chile where they could find help now this is completely a gamble they don't fully know what they're doing but they realize that this is their only way out so the three of them decide that they are going to make in that direction they set off on this journey and it's extremely difficult now you must know that they did not have any equipment they didn't have a map they didn't have a compass and they didn't have experience and yet these three boys have begun making their way across extremely treacherous terrain in a desperate bid to find help so that they can save the lives of the people who are remaining back at the crash site now they make their way across summit and then another summit and another summit and every single time they thought that they would reach a clearing of a sort they would see that the mountains kept extending and four days later they realize that they have miscalculated the supplies they have are not enough for three people so they send antonio back they tell him that head back to the crash site we'll keep going in this direction if help comes then send them for us too and with that antonio turns around and heads back and the two of them continue onwards for a long part of this expedition it felt like it was the sheer will of nando parado that kept them going Nando Parado had this indomitable will to not give up to the mountain 
he wanted to get through at any cost in fact at one point he told roberto canessa he says that maybe we are walking to our death but i would much rather walk to our death than wait for it to come to us and with that they kept dragging their bodies along the andes and then finally after days they find a river that this fresh water is so welcome to them they collapse next to it and have water to their fill then when they're slightly rejuvenated they begin following this river downwards and as they're following this river downwards slowly they start seeing signs of human life there's just small bits and pieces that tell them that a human being had been here and this boys their spirits and they go further and further down this river and finally they come to a campsite and at this campsite they find cows it's livestock they know for sure that now they're near humanity now they're extremely tired and extremely hungry and they look at the cows and they feel like they should kill one and eat it but they resist the urge they stop themselves because they realize that if they kill a cow whoever owns the cow is not going to be willing to help them so they suppress their appetite and their instinct and they wait for the owner of the cows to come now at this point it's been 9 days that they've been on the road and roberto canessa is finished he's exhausted he's at the brink of life he cannot move at all and he lies down and he tells nando parado that he is not going to be moving for this day nando parado understands and he says that okay i'm going to get firewood now he scarcely moved a few feet when suddenly parado exclaims he says i can see a man now roberto canessa does not believe him he feels like this could be a false alarm and he says no no i don't think it's true maybe it's a shadow maybe you're seeing things but at this point nando parado says no there's definitely a man there was a man on a horse and he was on the other side of the river and the man on the horse sees them and he waves to them and he yells something out but the water is running swiftly and it's making a lot of noise and the two boys can't hear what the man is saying finally nando parado catches a sentence and roberto canessa says what did you hear and nando parado says i think i heard him say i'll be back tomorrow and when roberto canessa hears that he sighs he says we're saved the next day the man is true to his word he returns and he's able to understand from them what they've been through they tell him that they were part of a plane crash and there are other survivors now this man is a chilean named sergio catalan and he agrees to help them and he rides 10 hours to get help and eventually gets the message out to the chilean air force and the air force eventually sends help for the people at the crash site it's 22nd december 1972 when finally a helicopter flies above the crash site and as this helicopter flies above the crash site and the blades of the helicopter make this 
incredible noise and din, they see that below them, from the fuselage, gaunt men are struggling to get out and look up and see the rescuers. The helicopters would not be able to get everyone down. So uh, a lot of the men are saved, but a few men have to spend one more night in that wrecked plane. And it was on 23rd December 1972 when the last of the survivors would be lifted from that crash site. The last of the survivors would be taken away from that crash site 72 days after the plane had crashed there. The boys are brought back and there's jubilation. It's euphoric. Because 72 days later, there are still 16 survivors who have lived from that fateful plane crash. But the euphoria begins dying down extremely quickly. Because the rescuers begin reporting back that at the crash site, they had seen human beings. But these were human beings that had been mutilated. Stories of cannibalism begin spreading and... It immediately sours this rescue mission. It's only days later when the survivors all come out and issue a press conference. When they reveal to the public what they had to go through. The circumstances under which they had to eat their friends, their family, their teammates. That's when the public finally understands the gravity of what they've been through. The extremity of what they've been through and the reluctance with which they did what they had to do to survive. Eventually, a priest would also come out and say that the extremity of the situation absolves them of any moral sin that anyone would think they had committed. Now, Roberto Canessa and Nando Parado and a lot of the others who survived went on to live very long, happy and successful lives. They learnt many things from their ordeal and some of them would be able to articulate this hard-earned wisdom. A lot of the survivors would report back that the one thing that changed after their ordeal was their perspective. They realized the fragility of life, how they took things for granted until within a second everything changed forever. They also spoke about how being a team helped them get through these adverse conditions, how the idea that a team could help each other in adversity was one of the things that helped them survive. They would also talk about how other problems didn't seem as big once they had been through something as catastrophic as this plane crash. When they faced problems in life, they would always compare it to surviving on the Andes and say, well, it surely can't get any worse than that. And they were usually right. Now, Roberto Canessa would later talk about his experience on the mountain and he would say that the people who survived this ordeal weren't the smartest, weren't the most intelligent. No, the people who survived it tended to be those who had a joy for living, who valued life enough to hold on to it when it was very easy to let go. Those were the ones who survived. And Nando Parado would later talk about his experiences and he had only one thing to say about it. He said 
that at the end of the day it all came down to love and love for the people you care about everything else he said was bullshit I hope you enjoyed the story. If you did, then please leave a like and a comment. Let me know what other stories you'd like me to cover. Uh, much like this one, like Sagar K insisted that I do this, and Sagar, thank you so much for it because this was truly an incredible story. As usual, this episode is brought to you by My Career. If you'd like to support My Career, then do check the description for links. for shows I'll be doing. In fact, I'm doing a show on 4th of June. It's in Thane, so if you happen to live there then do come out for it. I'm going to be doing two shows alongside Puneet Panya and Ronak Rajani. We're going to be recording both these shows and hopefully getting a clip out for YouTube. So, uh do come for that and um do come for the other shows that I'll be doing as well. That is it from this story. Until next time, stay safe. Do not take life for granted. And until next time, bye-bye.